0: Hey, it's Pastor Mike. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and make it a regular part of your day, can I ask for your regular support? We really can't make any of our sermon series or devotions without the continual support of friends like you. Time of Grace, in case you didn't know, is 100% donor-funded, meaning it is your gifts that make it possible for us to use television and print and digital media to share the good news of God's amazing grace. Just click on the link in the episode notes, and thank you for all of your prayers and all of your support. God bless. These are all the ways that you can watch Time of Grace. You don't have to just watch on TV a specific time, a specific day. You can watch where you want, when you want, and how you want. You can watch online at timeofgrace.org/tv, or download our app on your smartphone and tablets, or check us out on your Roku or Apple TV or Amazon Fire TV or Android TV devices. We know you're busy, so we want to make it easy. Easy to connect to God, His Word, and especially His Amazing Son Jesus Christ. So you can watch when you want, where you want, and how you want. Just go to timeofgrace.org/slash TV or search for Time of Grace wherever you download your favorite apps. Like philosophically, spiritually beautiful about a God who will choose people who he should not be choosing. Would you agree with me if I said this, that so much of, like, the goodness of your life, the the joy and the satisfaction you find in it, so much is based on the simple question, did they choose you? (laughs) Like, think of your childhood, think of your school years, Think of your romantic life, think of your professional life, think of athletics, think of academics. Doesn't so much of how we feel about ourselves come down to that simple question Did they choose me? If someone chooses you, if they look you in the eye and invite you, if they want you, if they accept you, if they include you, oh, like life is so good. But if they don't, if they Reject you if they don't want you, if they don't have time for you, if they don't include, if you're outside of the circle. Ah. Now, let me give you a few examples. Uh, when you're a kid, if your parents choose you, if both your mom and your dad choose to be with you, they choose to keep you, they choose to want you, they choose to give you your attention. You don't really know this when you're a kid, but that is so foundationally important for the development of our hearts and our minds. Because if they don't, like if if dad takes off or he doesn't want custody, like, that's hard. Even if the kid does nothing wrong, it's just just hard to process that. It's hard to feel good about yourself if someone doesn't choose you. Homecoming comes around. All your girlfriends get asked out on dates. If, If there's a boy who chooses you, I've heard these days, homecoming, like, asks are really dramatic, right? If, if he does the big thing in the hallway with all of his friends, oh my goodness, you, like you float your way home. And if someone doesn't, which was my story in high school. <laughs> uh, I think my senior prom, I watched Star Wars at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, did someone say awe in the back? <laughs> yeah, I can tell you what that, you know, that, I, I laugh about it now because I'm married, but in the moment, <laughs> And it keeps happening. Um, You apply to a college. Are you good enough? Do they choose you? You apply for a job. Are you good enough? Do they choose you? You get into a relationship. Are are you good enough that they choose you and and choose to stay with you? You try out for the team. Are you good enough to make it? Are you good enough to start? Like, so, so much of life just comes down to this question Are you chosen? But here's the hard part about that question. You probably know this, but if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. In this world, to be chosen, you normally have to be good. Or you have to be better. Or finally you have to be the best. Like are you a good enough friend that a classmate wants to be a partner with you? Are you good looking enough that you you caught that girl's attention? Are you are you good enough at volleyball that you make the starting squad? Are you, are you good enough at taking tests that the college invites you? And you normally have to be good. In most cases, you have to be better. Not everyone's going to get the job. You have to be better than all the other applicants. You have to be you know, better at relationships and all these other people in the online dating pool. And in a few cases, you just have to be the best. Only one person gets the spot, there's only one valedictorian. Maybe a lot of people are interested in him, but he's only going to choose one for a long term relationship. And so, in this life, right, there's this deep longing, this ache to be chosen. But the fact is, if you're not good, or if you're not better, or if you're not the best, it often doesn't happen. Uh, I've been on both sides of that in my life. Uh, I can picture the spot where I was sitting my college senior year. They were giving away two scholarships that would pay for all of grad school. I held my breath and they said my name. I don't think I skipped up to the podium, but that was happening in my heart. And then two years ago, I was working on a really big ministry project, poured my heart into it, more like thought, intentionality, just did the best that I could possibly do. We presented it and the people said, "Uh, no. And I just thought they didn't understand it. (laughs) I didn't realize this at times. Like, well, no, no. What I was really trying to say is, and then I talked for about five minutes, and they responded with, yeah, no. (laughs) And it just kind of hit me. Like, it wasn't because I ran out of time or I didn't put in the effort. Like, this was the best I could do, and it wasn't good enough. It's life, right? With family, with friends, with school, with sports, we want to be chosen. In your life, sometimes you will be, and sometimes you will not. But here's my big idea for this sermon series, and I I think it is insanely good news. God ain't like that. <laughs> God is not at all like that. Uh, the God that Christians worship did not come down from heaven, walk around the earth, and look for people who are good or who are a little bit better or who were the best? He he wasn't taking applications and resumes from the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees to see who were the best and the brightest. When when Jesus, God in human flesh was walking on earth, he looked at the most unexpected people and said, I choose you. So starting today and in the weeks to come, we're going to try to fill up that part of our heart that aches to be chosen and wanted and included and accepted. By looking at Jesus. Life out there is too much of a roller coaster to put our hope and our peace and our joy in them. So we're gonna fix our eyes on him and see in case study after case study, Jesus picked people just like you and just like me. So here's the big picture. If you're taking notes, I wanna teach on the Apostle Peter with five separate numbers. Here's the first number you need to know about this man named Peter 223. So if you would look up the name Simon, or the nickname that Jesus gave him, Peter, you would find those names showing up 223 times in the entire Bible. Not all of those are this Simon Peter, there's a couple other Simons that you find in Scripture, but almost all of them are, which is, by comparison, a massive amount. Um, You've heard of Matthew, the tax collector? The name Matthew shows up in the New Testament six times. To 223. The name Thomas, that famous doubter from Easter morning, his name shows up 11 times in the Bible. Peter, 223. All the Jameses put together in the entire Bible, there's a bunch of them, 38 times, but Peter is 223. He shows up in more passages and in more places, I think, than all of the other apostles put together. And in those passages, we learn a lot about Simon Peter. Uh, we learn that he had a brother named Andrew. Uh, We learned that he was a fisherman. Uh, We know that he was married. Jesus healed his mother-in-law. We know that his father's name was Jonah, which I think is funny for a fishing family, but I'm bad at jokes, so. (laughs) Um, We know that Peter was originally from Bethsaida, which is a little village just north of the Sea of Galilee, but then he moved to the shore to a city called Capernaum, where he later lived and met Jesus. 223 times. Massive, massive. Man in the history of the New Testament church. Second number is number 12. Because this Simon Peter from Bethsaida was one of the 12 apostles that Jesus chose. So you might have heard of these guys Matthew, um, James and John, Thomas, Philip, Nathaniel. Peter was one of the 12. The word apostle, you might recall, means sent out. So these are the guys just Jesus sent out to preach, and Peter was one of them. So if Jesus had a small group, Peter would be around the table. Next number, number three. Not only was Simon Peter one of the twelve apostles, he was one of the three men who was closest to Jesus. Uh, a few of you know this. Jesus normally walked, you know, around ancient Israel with these twelve guys, but there were a couple occasions when he took his inner circle, which was Peter and James and John, uh, when he was praying just before he died. Jesus wanted his best friends with him. Peter was one of them. Uh, When he raised a a little 12-year-old girl from the dead, only Peter and James and John were in the room. When he went up on the mountain of transfiguration and revealed his glory, it wasn't all 12 guys. It was Peter, James, John. So just like you might join a small group, you know, and try to love all the people in the room, there might be a couple people you connect with. And apparently, when Jesus connected with people, he chose Peter and these two brothers to be his closest friends on earth. Next number is number two. It's the number of books that Simon Peter wrote that are in your Bible. Um, They are creatively titled First Peter and Second Peter. (laughs) He wasn't very creative, apparently. (laughs) Uh, They're short little books. You could read them, I think, in 26 minutes if you're an average reader. Um, So Peter was later murdered for his faith in Jesus, crucified, they say, upside down. Before that happened, he wrote these two books and you can read his own words. And the last number I want to share with you is the number one. Uh, Every single time the twelve apostles are listed in the Bible, Jesus, or not Jesus, Peter, is always first. Sometimes the other names get shuffled around in different orders, but at the top of the list, in the gospels, in the book of Acts, always, 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 always Peter. Uh, Undeniably, he was the natural leader of the group. He was a huge figure in the launching of the Christian church after Jesus left, and so maybe, as the apostles wrote about Christianity, they always put Peter first. Jesus chose him. Jesus made him one of his best friends. Jesus sent him out to preach. And if you read the book of Acts, you know it basically is the the Acts of Peter and the Acts of the Apostle Paul, which is why churches today will put St. Peter on the side of their buildings. He's huge in the story of Jesus. So, Those are some basic facts about Peter. Um, I don't have time, obviously, to read through all the things that he said and did, so I just want to focus in on one part of Peter's personality today, and it's this. Peter talked. Period. In those 223 uses, Peter said, Peter asked, Peter answered. The the 12 were there. Jesus said this. Peter replied. um, The disciples had gathered at Jesus' feet. Peter spoke up. It doesn't matter how many people were in the room. Um, Did you ever go to grade school with that one kid who'd always raise his hand? Like even before the question was done, he'd start talking before he was called on. This is the Apostle Peter. He talked. (laughs) My favorite verse um, when Peter's up on the mountain and Jesus reveals his glory, Moses and Elijah appear. Um, The Bible says it was so glorious that Peter did not know what to say. (laughs) So do you know what he did? He said something. (laughs) It's literally in the Bible. The Gospel of Luke says, parentheses, he did not know what he was saying, but he was still speaking. It's like, oh, I don't know what to say. Let me just start talking. That's that's the personality of the Apostle Peter. So here's my question for you. Who's like Peter in the room? A few of you. Um, If you came in a car with Family members or friends? Would you please just identify the Peter in your group? Who's the person who talks the most in the car? Who's the person at the dinner table that has the highest word count? Who, who texts more than the other people in the family combined? Yeah, that's like me. Uh, my wife and I are driving in the car. She'll ask, "How was your day?" And by Milwaukee, I get done with my answer. <laughs> like, oh yeah, there are other people to talk to in this car too. All right, some of us are a lot like Peter. We talk, we ask questions, we speak up in a group, we break the ice. Um, we're we're a lot like this guy that Jesus chose. And here's what I want to say about that. If that's you, and this is totally me, you and I just like Peter have a gift from God. The ability to just speak is so, so beautiful if it's done in love. You might know the story. Um, The day of Pentecost in the Bible, the Holy Spirit comes, thousands of people are gathered, this crowd, they don't even know about Jesus. Who speaks up? Peter. He has no notes. He has no outline. He hasn't prepared a few words to speak. He just talks. And because of his talking, 3,000 people are baptized on a single day. The ability to just speak without preparation is a huge gift in the kingdom of God. Um, I, I see this here at the core on Question and Answer Sunday. Right, some of you would die if they turned the lights on, hit record on the camera, gave you a microphone, and we just got to ask you anything about anything. Like me, that's, oh, yes. How long can we go? Right? Just, that's a gift. Some of you are like that. Like, you, you see someone new uh, in the lobby at church. Someone sits down next to you that you don't know. You're probably very nice. They're probably very nice, but most of us just don't know what to say. And so we kind of sit here and you see that person at church for a whole year and you never say anything and they never say anything. You might be best friends, but no one speaks. Unless, unless you have the courage of Peter. And you just start talking. And you find out you have a lot in common. Uh, People like Peter in our church are some of the best at hospitality, at kindness, at welcoming new faces. Uh, Some of you, when you go to weddings, you get assigned at the table with like four or six people that you don't know, and it can be super awkward, unless there's a Peter sitting at the table who starts the introductions and makes the connections. I mean, the, the ability to just speak, is so good when it comes to love and compassion and hospitality and preaching and teaching. If you have the gift of Peter, you have a gift that comes from God. Your personality is not a mistake. The answer isn't to cut off your tongue so you never say anything wrong again. The answer is to use that gift that God has given you in selflessness and in love. But. But when you're speaking a lot of words, it's kind of hard to remember the selflessness and the love. There's this passage in the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 10, verse 19, it says this. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. When Jesus predicted um, that all the apostles would abandon him and leave him alone on the cross. It was Peter who said, Never! Wait, you're telling the Son of God he got, he, he got this one wrong, that you know better? Or when Peter tried to be big and, and bold and brave and follow Jesus to the cross, and he's warming his hands by the fire, and a, a middle school girl says to him, Wait, 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 aren't, aren't you Jesus' friend? And without thinking, he just says, no. And they ask him again. He says, no, I don't know him. And they ask him a third time and he he just says, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then the rooster crows. And only then does Peter think. He, He thinks about the words he just said. And he weeps. Has that ever happened to you? You get in the car after the party, and it's only then that your mind starts to like read over the transcript of the words you just said. Oh my goodness! Wow! Why would I say that? How, How could I say that? you just realize that you you spent so much time talking and so little time listening as if everyone came to the party just to hear about everything about your life. (laughs) Has this ever happened at like a a small group Bible study where it's like you're just throwing in comment after comment after comment, like everyone showed up just to sit at your feet and listen to all of your amazing words? This happens to me with preaching all the time. Oh, I thought of another thing. Let's add that in there. Well, the sermon's already long. I'm sure the people want to hear more from me. Let's just keep talking for a while. Right. You know, it's all of us are proud, I think. Um, some of us are just proud out loud. And that's why I love the story of Peter. I know sometimes I feel like I need a break from myself. And if I meet a person who is a lot like me in the room, I just need a little bit of space and silence. But you know what Jesus Christ never did? He never took a break from Peter. I mean, if there was one dude I would keep, like, in the back row of the 12 apostles, it would be Peter, not Jesus. Follow me, he said. And as Peter talked his ear off for three straight years, Jesus never once turned around and said, enough! (laughs) Is there another guy we can (laughs) shoot? No, he like stuck with him. He's patient. He had to call him out. He had to rebuke him. But Jesus was so full of mercy and compassion and love and grace that he loved Peter. Peter. Years later, the same Apostle Peter wrote this letter that we call 1 Peter, and in that letter, he spoke these amazing words about Jesus. He said, When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, Jesus entrusted himself to the God who judges justly. How did Peter end up included and accepted and forgiven despite the craziness of his sin? Here's how. The word didn't say a word. Jesus hung on the cross and he, he knew every secret of those Roman soldiers, but in, instead of eviscerating them with his words, he stayed silent and was led like a lamb to the slaughter so that Peter, Could end up a saint. And so that you and I can too. I'm working on my words, but I'm working as a guy who is loved by God, forgiven by his grace, and covered in his mercy. And you are too. One more passage from Peter. I love how he said it in that same chapter. He says, As you come to Jesus, the living stone, Rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You are a chosen people. I think that is why Peter would have loved what the early Christians did to his house. Let me show you a picture that I took in the city of Capernaum where Peter lived. Many archaeologists think that this circular building was the house of the apostle Peter. It dates all the way back to the first century when Peter lived, but what caught archaeologists' attention is what happened in the mid-first century A.D., soon after Jesus went to heaven. It seems that that house, which archaeologists found pots and pans, was transformed into some other kind of use. Uh, The pots and pans disappeared and oil lamps started to appear as if someone was there speaking for a long time into the night. Soon after they expanded the home and turned it from a residential dwelling, they added rooms and layers. They plastered over the entire place. And many people think this is one of the earliest Christian churches right in the home of the Apostle Peter. In fact, in the plaster of the walls, early Christians started to write messages, little graffiti. Uh, One person drew a little boat. Uh, Another person had mentioned the name of Jesus. But one of the things they scratched into the plaster of Peter's potential home was something I I think he would have loved. Three words. Christ, have mercy. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And as Peter heard the parable of Jesus, of the tax collector who confessed that very thing, I, I tell you the truth that this man, the sinner, went home justified before God. Because whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That's the story of Peter. And it's our story too. The world might not choose us, but by the grace and mercy of God, Jesus does, and He always will. Let's pray. Oh, God thank you for, thank you for listening. Um, if I were you, I would have blocked my prayer text a long time ago, <laughs> but you're patient and you're kind. And you are unconditionally loving, and it's why we love you so much. Um, Jesus, if you forgave Peter, the man who denied that he even knew you, not once or twice, but three times, it's proof that you can forgive the proudest person in this room, the most arrogant person who's sitting at home, the most complicated and, and broken person that we know. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't just choose the educated and the amazing. Uh, thank you that you chose the angry and the greedy, the proud and the broken, the stressed and the overwhelmed. The fact that you chose them gives us hope and confidence that you choose people like us today. I pray powerfully, God, today for your Holy Spirit. Uh, your word says that the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness and it's patience and it's love and it's self control. And a lot of us, I know I need that so badly. Our words are so powerful. Sin happens when we speak too much and too quickly, and love happens when we don't. So give us the self-control that we need, that our words today at school and at work, in our relationships and with our parents, with our kids, with our, our fellow saints here in this Christian church, may, may those words be just like the words of Jesus, full of truth and full of love. Um, God, you changed Peter. Uh, you're changing us too. Work powerfully in our hearts so we could be a bright light in this dark world, and in this jar of clay, these cracked pots that we are, your light would shine through so brightly, even through the cracks, that people know what a merciful God you are. We pray all these things today with confidence. And we pray them in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Do you find Jesus really interesting, but kind of confusing? Maybe today you sense that God is working on your hearts and giving you a new excitement about the things of the Christian faith, but you're not quite sure what to do next. If so, you're exactly the kind of person that I wrote this brand new book for called The Basics. Uh, It's not AP Bible, and it's not going to answer every question you have about Christianity, but it's going to get you back to the basics of why Jesus is worth following today and for the rest of your life. If you're interested, just go to timeofgrace.org to download your free copy. I've got an important question for you. As you look forward to 2023, what are you thinking? Because your thoughts matter so much. What you think about yourself and about God and about life matters immensely. So much of that determines the level of peace and joy and hope and grace that exists in your heart. But the truth is, very often our thoughts are totally wrong. The difference between God's message and our minds can be massive. And that's why I want to help. Our Heavenly Father wants to give us a full, abundant life that's all about his truth and it's all filled up with his grace. That's why I want to share with you four exciting new resources so that your mind and God's message get closer than ever. This resource bundle includes my book, What's Big? Start Small, my DVD series entitled, What Was I Thinking? Dr. Bruce Becker's 30-day workbook and journal called Bigger Faith, and a Bigger Faith bookmark. This resource bundle was created to help your mind connect with God's message so that you too can enjoy the abundant, full life that Jesus gives to you. This four-piece resource bundle is our way of thanking you for your financial support. Request yours today when you give by calling 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, or write us at PO Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53201. Time of Grace doesn't end here. Visit timeofgrace.org and explore encouraging resources or sign up for our daily email and have everything delivered right to your inbox, like our Grace Moments devotions, Grace Talks devotional videos, blog, and podcasts. Follow us on social media, where you'll find a supportive Christian community. If you need prayer, give us a call and let us know what's on your heart. Thank you so much for your support. See you next week on Time of Grace.